Welcome to the Raw and Uncensored Ambitious Podcast. During our time here together, I will be instilling all of the strength, power, and determination you will need to use the very stones thrown at you to build your ultimate empire. We will redefine the word bitch from the derogatory to the acronym being in total control of herself. So let's adjust our crowns and prepare to live life ambitiously. Oh, yeah, here I am, the original HBIC, Katie motherfucking Boyd. And on today's episode of the Ambitious Podcast, we have Lorna J. Brunel. A best-selling author and trained actor, Lorna J. Brunel has used her voice as an advocate and workshop facilitator for years. Her masterclasses, Get Real, Putting the Can on Cancer, Renewal, Never Dull Your Sparkle, and Destinations of Hope leave people feeling empowered. One of the top acting coaches in Boston, Lorna also sees clients of all ages nationwide in person and on Zoom and FaceTime. A social media influencer, Brunel is also known for producing large-scale events for artists and the Your Story Legacy Video initiative designed to protect and preserve the memory of people we love. During the pandemic, she opened an outdoor performance space called The Patio and released her first cookbook, Cooking on North. She is the author of The Bowie Projects, which ranked number two on the Amazon bestseller list in the breast cancer category that year, and the bestseller, Dirty Bombshell. She was recognized at the Massachusetts State House as an unsung heroine in 2019. The Boston City Council named October 22nd Lorna J. Brunel Day for her advocacy work for people with cancer and the performing arts. The Massachusetts General Hospital honored Lorna as one of the hundred people selected nationwide for their efforts to eradicate cancer. Lorna has been a patient advocate for many years and dedicates her time to a number of organizations. Lorna was invited to join the cast of the NBC Universal Style Network reality TV show Wicked Fit based in Boston. Lorna appeared in eight out of the 11 episodes. As a pageant consultant, Lorna guides and mentors strong and intelligent women in the Miss America organization. A graduate of the prestigious Boston Conservatory, the arts have always been center stage in Lorna's life. At the age of 24, she opened the doors of the Burtwood School of Performing Arts in 1995. The school is a bustling haven for artists of all ages. Her students, ranging from 3 to 94, have had success in all areas of the industry. In the fall of 2000, Lorna joined the team at Boston Casting Inc. as an on-camera acting instructor casting associate, and casting director. She has worked on several projects with A-list Hollywood talent. A few of her favorites, American Hustle, Joy, Stronger, Ted 2, Paranormal Lockdown, and Ghost Hunters. Lorna can be seen in the wedding scene of the trailer for the movie Ted 2 in the front row wearing a yellow and black dress and a large, very large black hat. 
Many have been finalists on American Idol, The Voice, and The X Factor. In 2010, she opened the Alley Theater in Massachusetts. She has served as a guest speaker at the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary in Boston and spends much of her time raising awareness for thyroid and breast cancer. She was featured in National PSA about thyroid cancer, nerve monitoring, and many documentaries about mass eye and ear. Lorna has received several awards for community service and her effort to assist thyroid and breast cancer patients. A self-proclaimed domestic diva, Lorna lives with her husband, Roger, in their historic 1940 Ebenezer Sewell House. In honor of her stepson, Brent, who passed away in 2014 of a heroin overdose, she and her husband, Roger, work tirelessly advocating and providing support for families and people suffering from addiction. Wait until you guys hear this podcast. I know that was a lengthy bio, but this bitch left a lot of things out because she truly is being humble in her bio. And Lorna has been a mentor of mine for 20 plus years. And I just cannot wait for you to experience Lorna. So without further ado, let's listen to Lorna talk all about her incredible life and inspire you because she truly is the epitome of ambitious. And as you know, I have my mentor, my soul sister. Literally, I think that we have been separated at birth, even though we're 10 years apart. Almost almost to the day. (laughs) Almost literally to the day. Yeah. Lorna J. Brunel in the ambitious house. Thank you you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. I've been looking forward to this for evs. Thanks for having me. And I know you're a super busy bitch, so... This was takes one to know one. Oh, absolutely. So obviously everyone knows who you are from your amazing bio, but on the ambitious podcast, we like to get real. We like to get raw and we like to get down to the nitty gritty. And you are truly one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. Girl. Yeah. And you continue to inspire me literally on a daily basis. You make me want to work harder and harder. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Love you. You guys out there in the bitches land, do you see why we get along so well? We're sick fucks. We truly are. Oh my gosh. So I want to start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. Yes. So if you guys didn't already know this, Lorna was my mentor and teacher and coach for literally 20 years. I'm not even joking you. And then after I stopped competing in pageants and doing all that, that stuff, We stayed obviously close. We still do a lot of things with each other. And that's truly what mentorship is all about. And you have left such an incredible stamp on my life and thousands of people's lives from, you know, what you you do with community outreach to what you do with the Burtwood School of Performing Arts in Middleborough, Boston Casting and all the other good stuff. So I want to talk about I know this is like we're going back to like babies and pacifiers, but yeah. I think a lot of people, when they look at someone who's the HBIC, right? Like you're, you are the head bitch in charge. You really, truly are. And I'll take we, it. Uh, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. And you're truly like the epitome of ambitious. Like you inspired the ambitious lifestyle in so many ways. But I think a lot of people look at people like you and they're like, 
Oh, she must have been born with a silver spoon in her mouth. Everything must have been amazing. She was groomed mm. to be a Broadway star and to mm. do all these things. And nothing, yep. honestly, can be further from the truth. So can you kind of like Absolutely. bring us back down memory lane? Sure. So, so much further than the truth. Thank you for asking that. Um, I grew up with um, a single mom and two sisters uh, with various husbands through the years. My mom was the local Elizabeth Taylor. She credited herself for that. Married one husband twice. I love because, her. Because, hey, why not? She should have um, been on like the Real Housewives of Middle <laughs> Oh, she would have killed it. She would have actually killed she it. She totally would have. Um, so we were lean on funds, but rich on love. Not to sound sappy. The love was always there. Um, family was always first. Cooking, laughing, singing, painting, drawing, the arts, day trips, the beach, museums, parks, anything that you could do on a shoestring budget to get three kids out of the house. And we were there. Um, and that was a whole life of, of adventure when we were little. My mom um, was a beautiful singer. She sang in clubs when I was a kid in Boston. She was originally from Watertown, uh, where my grandparents were, a big Armenian neighborhood, even though we were a huge Sicilian family. So I grew up with a lot of culture, walking up and down the streets, hearing lots of different languages, which was the exact opposite of what was happening in my my town of Middleborough once yes. we you know went here, went to school here. We were a mixed race family. My sister Talia has a different dad. She is Cape Verdean and Portuguese. Um, so she's a mocha mama. Oh, yeah. And that was an interesting uh, part of my journey because I grew up in a very white community. Um, so I learned a lot very quickly at a very early age about tolerance and love and acceptance, uh, particularly one Easter. I think I was 10 years old. We were at a local restaurant in the dining hall on Easter, and a couple of families were uncomfortable that a mixed race family was eating in the same room they were in mm. and asked the server to move us to another room. Oh, my God. Um, so moments like that really define and drive you, me, us. Um, and you can either, you know, take one road where you're like, oh, my God, that was so hard feel bad for me. We didn't have a lot of money. We faced discrimination. Um, you know, things were things were tricky. I didn't get to go to Aruba and come home with braids every April vacation and February vacation. Like Damn. all the, all was, the girls around me. <laughs> I was always so jealous of those motherfucking braids. I was those, like, why can't I have beads in a sunburn in my, in my crotch? Yeah, like, why this aren't is I, not fair. Why aren't I peeling? Why is it my nose peeling with my bow Derek 10 braids? Seriously. Um, but honestly, that, that sparked my desire to get ahead too. Like I was like, you know what? I'm happy. Uh, hand to God is an early age. I was happy for the kids with the braids. Same. And I was like, I want that. Damn fucking right. I'm going to get that. I was, never yeah. the, I was never the girl that was like, wait, wait, I don't have braids. Because my mom was like, you know what? You've got love. You've got your health. You've got talent. You have, you know, adventure. The braids will come. You just got to work really hard. Oh, I love that. And I think the um, motivational force for working hard and the way that I got where I am is because she always fueled confidence. You can be whatever you want to be. There are no limits. You know what I mean? She grew up in a time where, gosh, she got pregnant at 17, had me, got pregnant at 16, had me at 17. Um, and that was like, I don't want to offend anyone, but it was really like the kiss of death back oh, then, right? It's a different time that yeah. we're in now. She Definitely. was unmarried, um, and my grandmother was horrified. She actually took her to a local convent. Oh, my and God. This was there. a thing. This, this was, was a thing. thing. Yes. Um, and, you know, I didn't find out about this story until the fifth, the last five months of my mom's life. So quick, quick rewind about determination and where I get it from. My mom found out she was pregnant. She had been dating my dad for a while. 
they were so young, right? And so back then, a while means what? Three, four, five months? Who knows, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. <laughs> Long enough to make a baby. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so told my grandmother she was pregnant. My grandmother lost her mind. Italian Catholic, Sicilian Catholic. Oof. They end up at a convent somewhere in Waltham with my grandfather. And my mom thinks that she's going to stay in the convent until I'm born. And then she's going to figure it all out. And then the two of us would get an apartment somewhere or something. And then into the um, little intake interview, my mom realizes, oh, yeah, she'll stay at the convent with me. But then Catholic Charities will keep me and my mom will get tossed to figure it all out. And that in that defining moment, my mom was like, no one's keeping my baby. And my grandmother was like, oh, yes, they are. We're going to say you're in Naples or you're visiting somebody and then you're going to come back and, you That's know, do your thing, do. basically. Do. And it yes. was my grandfather who said, hell's no, because my mom was under 18, so she couldn't even make that decision. And um, my, grandpa- my grandfather was like, this isn't how it's going down. So my mom moved to Middleborough to be with my grandfather um, and had already been in Middleborough with him primarily anyway. My grandmother was in Watertown. They were divorced. And my mom said that was her turning point where she was like, now I have purpose and meaning. Everything makes sense. And this is my job. I'm going to be a mom. And as a young mom, she literally crushed it. I mean, imagine now, right? No, no. <laughs> No, no. Um, Yeah. So she did it. She crushed it. And because I think um, society, again, was already throwing stigma her way and shame. This is before she married a person of of a different race than her. She was the epitome of love and acceptance. And she knew what it was like to be on the other side. So if I came home from school and girls were bullying or something, she had such a cool school of thought. Like her first response was defend yourself, you know you know, be tough, be strong, you know, uh, advocate, but then should always sit us down and be like, but let's talk about where bullying comes from. Yes. They probably have a really hard time at home. They're probably jealous of something. And I'd be like, jealous of me. I don't have braids. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) as a matter, as a metaphor, right. Um, so I don't have a passport. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) seriously, but then should break it down. And then, and then years later I became friends with one girl who was a bully and she had a horrible life at home. There wasn't a lot of confidence. There wasn't a lot of love. Her parents were very withholding. And, um, she was like, I was always so jealous of your mom, always making dinner, having everybody over, cutting everybody's hair, doing everybody's nails. She was just so cool. It, It actually, pissed me off that I didn't have that. That's why I was mean to you. Wow. And I'll never forget that life lesson either because we have bullies as, as adults all around us Hell on the yeah, internet. Absolutely. You know, um, and I use that, you know, just last week, somebody from the business community said to me, what's up with one of these business owners? She's so abrasive. She's so difficult. She's so she's so hard using all these words that women, ambitious women are are accused of being every day. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to break it down and share some stuff with you. And then the person said, you know what, now I'm looking at it totally differently. That's all from Wanda's playbook. Wow. So that's how we roll. We love we love Wanda. Shout out to Wanda in heaven. That's right. We, we love our mama clam. We do. <laughs> we love her. We absolutely love yes. her. Yes. We'll tell you a little mama clam story later on how she got that name and how T uh, Buck Wild, my mom, Terry, <laughs> Terry Boyd is also mama clam. And we're the baby clams. We're the we little are. clams. We're, we're, some, we're little necks. <laughs> we really truly are. And they're the cohogs. <laughs> <laughs> they really truly. Are. Oh my, oh my god. god, I love it. That was I, the most amazing story and it's weird because I'm listening to you talk and 
obviously, if you're listening to this podcast right now, we are on video so we can actually see each other. You guys can't see us. And my eyes are literally welling up with tears because I'm having like this full circle moment right now where I'm like looking at you like, oh, my God, she was my teacher. And look at where she came from and look at how we're still connected. And it just thank you for like, again, I know I'm blowing smoke in your pussy hole, but like, I love this so much. You are the best. I mean, it was lean. Like when I say lean, I mean, like, you know, coming home from school with lights shut off, coming home from school without cable, right? uh, you know, heat times without heat. Um, So and, you know, interesting story. I just had a big back to school drive. We outfitted over 500 kids with clothes and over almost almost 300 fully stacked backpacks. And somebody said to me, why are you doing that? Why are you enabling? Why are you why are you feeding into the problem? We had this conversation. Okay, remember? And you know, there are there are uh, four higher signs everywhere. And I thought about my mom the entire time we were preparing for this event, because we were the kids that needed the backpacks. And she was working. You know, we were the kids that couldn't play sports year round or take dance year round because there weren't funds for three kids. And again, she was working. Um, So that that also motivates me. You know, you and I, we don't forget our roots ever. And if we have an opportunity to help anybody rise up, that's my goal. That's why I wake up, whether it be just delivering an apple cake. Literally, I'm showing you a picture of an apple. Oh, I saw saw Roger (laughs) killing the apples with his power tools. I put that man to work. Damn right, girl. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, If someone's had surgery, if somebody's lost somebody they love, if somebody just got a brand new job and they're happy, rise up together, celebrate, mourn, be together, all of it, not just the bad, the good, celebrate all of it. Agreed. That was one to two. She was literally, we could have literally, you know, five bucks in the bank. And if somebody needed help, she would go to the closet and take clothes, go to our closets, get blankets off the couch. You don't need two pillows, grab a pillow. Someone's hurting. Someone needs support. She put together a care package and would just roll up and, and deliver it. And then she put the supper and she'd cut their hair and paint their nails. Like literally that was, she wanted people to feel beautiful. She wanted people to understand their worth and their value, particularly girls, uh, women. And she wanted them to know that they had options. They were never stuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as your mom was passing away, and we're going to get into that in a little while, as your mom was passing away, you know, I was by her bedside. My mom was by her bedside. Yes. And that's why, and hundreds of people were by her side during that time. And that's why they were because of Mm -hmm. who she was in life. That's beautiful. Such an incredible testament to who Wanda really was and still is because she left such an incredible legacy. And the legacy also came from you writing the book about the last months of her life. Right. Which is Ten so months. Incredible. Which so incredible. Which started, Katie, with you and Matt coming to the hospital on her 58th birthday yeah. at Mass General. She had been hospitalized for nine days. We knew the cancer was back. We just didn't know the extent. It was her birthday. And she found out she was dying on her birthday. And you were there. You were there with Winston Flowers, her favorite. <laughs> Always, honey. Because bitch wanted high end. Only the best for that queen. <laughs> only the, There ain't yeah. no fucking Teleflora coming to Wanda's no. bedside. It's only Winston's, honey. No. I mean, as, as charitable as she was at the very end, she said, please don't do in lieu of flowers. I want flowers everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> and she deserved it all. I'll never forget that day. That day yeah. was um, such a turning point for her. And it was a turning point for me and I'm sure for you too, because, you know, we all kind of grew up together in a way. We did. You know, you as my teacher for so long and then us as adult friends and my mom being so close to your mom and all those things and watching that happen was just like, 
on her birthday was just such like a, are you fucking kidding me moment? Yeah. And you know what? She was like, hey, I've had a great life. She didn't even cry. She found out she was dying. She was metastatic. She was Long. literally making us laugh that was, day. And I was like, was, bitch, you do not have to put on a show for us. And she uh, yeah. wasn't putting on a show. Like that was who she truly fucking right. was as they were draining her lungs. I'll yes. never forget that. Yes. And she yep. was laughing about it and telling us the story and all that. And I'm like, yeah, yep. this is how I want to go out. Like I want to go out exactly. strong as this. She literally is the queen of ambitious land. Truly. She really is. Honestly. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want to see any tears. When I die, you get one day to cry. One day, that's it. You have to have adventure. You have to make every moment count. And that day when the doctors came in, because we, like I said, we waited nine days for results to come back in mass gen. She was all filled up with lung fluid. It was in her liver. It was in her bones. And they were like, you know, well, you know, you might have like 18 months, maybe with the new litter. And she was like, look, let's just get get ready to live, get a piece of paper. This is what we need to do. I want to go to Cuddy Hunk. I want to do this. I want to, you know, maybe we can get out to here. I want to get a Boston magazine and eat every single thing, all the best bagels, best chowder, best whatever. Let's just do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Terry Boyd was bringing her malasadage and Portuguese rolls and every other goddamn thing. I'm like, my, Everything. what the hell? She goes, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm feeding that bitch. Yeah. And fun fact, my mom sat with your mom on a deck, iced coffee, eating the malasadas, you say it better. I'm not of, you know, <laughs> Portuguese descent. I got, I got to get, I got to work on that. I always say fried dough, and yes. everyone's, everyone's like, no, it's a malasada. Um, she literally ate, I don't know, maybe six. She literally did. And then the next day, she went into the <laughs> medically induced coma. <laughs> it was a malasada induced coma. <laughs> it was. Let's what? be honest. I know your mom and I still laugh about that. People who don't know me, I'm not laughing about my mom's coma, but the fact that she, the day before she went into the coma. She went to get a chippy at Marisol's. Oh, yum. She ate about a half dozen Portuguese fried dough. <laughs> and then she hit a yard sale and went to TJ Maxx. Can you imagine the day before no. you go into the coma? That will be the last yeah. time that you ever. Yeah. That was the last time she ever spoke. Talked. It was the last time I heard her talk. Holy shit, And I, man. I have this image of her just like literally with sugar all over her yep. hands and happy as a freaking clam. Literally. As the, as the cohog, mama cohog. Yes. Um, and, you know, she literally was reflecting on her deck, listening to the birds, like I've so blessed, I've been so lucky. You know, it's such a beautiful day. I had all this time, you know, 10 months, that's nothing to me, to me, it's nothing. And she was like, I've had all this time to say goodbye to everyone I love, to tell everyone I love um, how I'm feeling um, on and on and on and on. So there was nothing, no no stone was unturned at the very end. Do you think that Wanda was one of the the people in your life, and I already know the answer, but I want to talk about it with our listeners. Do you think that Wanda was one of the people in your life that really inspired you to take your thespian, like vo- vocal life to the next level? Because I know your mom was a singer, so I'm sure there yeah. was a lot of music in your house growing up. Always. I want to yep. talk about that, and I want to talk about how you went to the conservatory, and then how sure. you opened Burtwood, and then I want to get into the all the other good stuff. Because there's, I mean, literally, we could podcast for 17 million hours. We could, and we should. <laughs> I know. Uh, Yes. So I grew up with a hairbrush in every room of the house. And that was the microphone and singing everything. My mom had such an eclectic um, love of music. It was either um, Motown, the Supremes, Diana Ross, or then it was Patsy Cline. And then it was Cher. 
right? Obviously. And then and then should also throw in some old school Jolene and hit some country, right? Yes. Um, so and we'd just get up and sing into brushes, should be cooking, would be singing. Music and cooking was always happening simultaneously. Uh, and she sang in nightclubs in Boston when I was little. And my my uncle Wayne, her brother, was the lead singer of a rock band that was really well known in the area, and they had quite a following. And there's um, a family rumor that my great grandmother Jovanina Gandolfo sang opera. So I never heard that because when I was, you know, she died when I was a sophomore in college. We have a, four, a fourth generation pick that's awesome that I treasure. By then, she wasn't singing opera, but everyone in the family said, "Oh God, she had a beautiful voice." I think Wanda's calling you. I hope so. I, you know, <laughs> I I'm at my. No, I love this. I'm like, oh my god, do you have a fucking landline, Lorna? Look, this and shit myself. I am at my office, <laughs> which is where the people call. That was so fucking good, yeah. dude. I love dude, this. That that, you have a landline. It's my mom. It's oh, it's my god. It's no, Wanda's like, calling. Stop. You better you better not talk <laughs> shit about me, bitch. I know. I know. She's like, enough about that generation. Talk about me. Um, so, <laughs> so true. Um, yeah. So singing was always the thing, and then I was in chorus. She always encouraged me to audition for shows and stuff. And, um, you know, how many times I never got the lead girl because first of uh, all, I was, I was six foot tall in fourth grade and I had yep. a Bermuda bag cause I was the only girl with my period at age nine. Same. Um, so, <laughs> Same and, you know, so I wasn't getting a lot of the leads cause I looked like I was a grown up. Um, and my voice was huge. She said it was shockingly huge. Like in the grocery market, if someone walked by and said, Oh, she's so cute. And my mom would be like, say thank you. And I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so my mama, my mom was like, you always were like this grown up in this body. You know what I mean? Like way ahead of your years. She always called me an old soul. So anyway, she still encouraged me to be part of the projects, even though I wasn't pulling, you know, Peter Pan. You know, yes. I was like Mrs. Darling, basically. Yes. yes. Um, I, was and like that, Miss, I was always like Mrs. Sowersberry. Yeah, that was like, the story like, of my same life. Z's. Right. Um, and yet. <laughs> I loved being in chorus. I loved singing at church. I loved being in shows. I excelled in straight dramas because I got to play all the older people, which was right. awesome. And then I wanted to go to either Emerson and be a weather girl. Oh, who didn't want to go it's to always, Emerson and be a weather girl? It's always raining men. Absolutely. And then I thought, well, and if that doesn't work out, I'll go to Brandeis and maybe major in speech pathology right. or something. And then if that doesn't work out, I'd like to go to the conservatory and major in musical theater because it's fun. And I had no idea where that would go. I really didn't. So those are my choices. The only place that offered me um, money, like a substantial amount of money, was the Boston Conservatory, in addition to scholarship that I got from my hometown, which we can chat about after. I love this story. How I named the school. Yes. Um, And the funny thing is, my mom knew I wanted to go to college, but we couldn't afford college. So she was like, girl, I love your ambition, but you're going to have to do everything you can to get those coins. Yes. So I was like president of everything at every meeting at school till nine o'clock at night. Why are you and I literally the same fucking person? It's we scary. literally it scares me every time we talk. Yeah. Right. So, but my mom said that would be my ticket to rise up. Yes. She was like, and you're giving back. But like, you know, I was the girl for the ski trip making like 180 PB and J's and like doing all the bake sales and getting all the yep. prom committee and picking out balloons and flowers and ski, blah, blah, blah. and I loved it. You know what I mean? But it was it was like I worked for that scholarship. And I yes. say that to my students all the time. You don't just roll into it. You either get out on the field and show up and you make your reel with all of your footage of you out there playing. You make your reel out there on the stage. You put together your pre-screen because now you can't even get in until you, you have a video saying you're worthy of an audition. True. Or, you know, consideration. And my mom helped me put all that together. So my college packet was like this big 
you know, quarter inch thick packet of newspaper articles of my face at anything you could get your hands on for community service. Those were the days when you just brought your fucking newspaper clippings and you're like, look, I'm a bit kind of a big deal bitch. Yeah. In my, in my pond, I am a tuna. Yes, you are. <laughs> my fucking Marlin. I am. So uh, I got in and I, you know, the interview was really cool at the conservatory. They were like, how do you define art? You know, tell me about your journey. I talked a lot about my mom in that interview too. Um, and then my question I'll never forget. They said, oh, so if I make a sandwich and put it on a mantle, is it art? And I was like, well, it depends on how it makes you feel. If it conjures emotion, if it inspires you, da, 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 da. and they were like, okay. And I'm in. And then I was on the alumni board for a little while. And they said that, you know, moments like that in an interview are where you really shine. I know I'm going off topic, but being, no, I love it. Being awesome. real, you know, being yes. real. Don't say what you think people want to hear. Well, that's what I always used to tell my pageant girls when I would coach them. And I would say to them, don't ever tell the judges what you think that they want to hear because that means you're being a fake bitch. And if yeah. you win that pageant, that's yep. who you will have to be for a whole entire year of your right. life. Right. Yeah. Exhausting. No joke. Yeah. And I know you feel the same way. And you taught me that too years ago when you were my coach. Like, Katie, right. just because this sounds good doesn't mean that's how you really feel. And no. in my head, I would say, but I want to impress them. I want to make them love me. And it's like, right. yeah, but. That's right. not they're going to love you for who you are if you're real. Absolutely. And if they Absolutely. don't that's okay too. We've learned that. 100%. Well, we're yeah, not we're, yeah. Rejection we're not, is spirit's protection. Absolutely. And we're not cake. We can't make everyone happy. That's true. my favorite meme. <laughs> so true, dude. Yeah. So true. And you know and, my story of rejection with you know the people saying no along the way. My my guidance counselor story. Oh my god, tell me that. Yes, tell us yeah. the I love this story. Tell us. So, I'll make it I'll make it brief. So, here I am. I'm a sophomore in school. I'm sucking at math, like sucking. By the way, I blew big donkey balls in math too. Okay. Yeah. The worst. The worst. Algebra was not that into me. None of it. <laughs> no one was into Zero. me. The, the geometry hated me. So, I knew that there was a summer program and I heard that if you did really well in the summer program, if you had a C in math and you got an A in the summer, the transcript would show a B or a B plus. So I was like, damn, I got to do that. Here I am, by the way, I wasn't a dumbbell. Honors English, honors uh, history, honors language, all that, right? But math, man, I couldn't click the switch. Couldn't get it to Same. click. So, and I wonder now if I, if we were in school, if it would click because there are so many other ways to unlock the door now. Yes. Um, and I love math. I use it in my job all the time. So I'm not one of those girls that's like, oh, another day and I never use math. How would we make the formula to get the money to figure out an overhead and a staff and all the Hello. utilities and whatever, right? Absolutely. So here I am, I'm in the guidance counselor's office and I'm like, hey, I heard there's a summer program that I'm going to babysit to raise money for. Because my mom was like, well, that sounds great, but I don't have 150 bucks. Right. Figure well, I'm going to babysit. I'll sell stuff. I've been selling stuff since I could walk. I'll babysit. I'll sell stuff. I'll do things. I'll make it happen. So the guidance counselor was like, Sleepa, my maiden name, you don't need to take this class. If I had your face, I wouldn't even be worrying about college. Um, you know, you're pretty, you're, you're charismatic. Just marry a rich guy and have his babies. You don't need math. You don't need college. And I was like, what the hell is happening? This is like 1987. What? Right? And she was like, no, I'm really serious. And I said, well, I'm really serious. I need to be in this class. You got to figure out, you got to put me in this class. And she's like, well, I mean, yeah, I'll get you in the class, but you don't need it. That's not the direction that you need to go in. Again, you're really pretty. She kept saying I was pretty and I was like pissed every time she said it. And then I walked out and I was like, I don't even believe what's happening. So I took the class, aced it, got into school. Okay. So there's that story. And then do you want the part two of years later when I opened yes. the business? So yes. 
Ace the, the class, got into college, full scholarship, full ride. Amazing. Literally nothing to pay for except like your, you know, your meals and stuff, right? right? Um, get out of school. I'm performing. I'm going to cut way ahead. I'm teaching in New Bedford, Bridgewater, Rainham, Middleborough, all these places. And I'm like, you know what? I have a home studio of 20 kids. I'm going to open a facility. I kept walking by this place that was for rent. It was 400 bucks a month, downtown Middleborough. Oh, my God. Right? Wow. That's where I met you. Yes. So I went into the local bank, and I was like, hey, I'd like to apply for a $5,000 loan. I'm going to need some pianos, some photocopiers, some sheet music, and stuff yeah. like that. And the president of the bank, and I still to this day don't know how I landed the president. Normally, you'd get like yeah. an associate. Underling. Yes, yes, right. of course. Some, somebody, right? Um, and they said, oh, look, I've seen girls like you come in. Girls like you, girls. Girls like you come and go, dime a dozen with these big ideas. Here's the bottom line. It's too risky. It's never going to work. You got a pretty face. You you, you talk really well. You, you can communicate. Um, I'm familiar with you from the local newspapers and all the theater that you've done. I know you're going to land on your feet, but it's not going to be through this business idea. It's going to crash and burn. Basically, like he was helping me. So like, you know, take my advice, sweetheart, and move on. And I was like, that's not how this is going to go. Fuck the patriarchy. It's not how the story ends. You know, like, you know exactly the kind of guy I'm sitting across. Oh, I've sat across that same motherfucker a hundred times in my life. A hundred times. And I've had the same guidance counselor, except it was my math teacher, Mrs. George. Rest yep. in peace, Miss George. Yeah. And she said to me in front of the whole class one day, Katie, thank God you're pretty because you are dumb. Oh, and I was Miss I was Miss Taunton at the time. It was my senior year in high school. Which was, you have to be smart to land. Yep. Uh-huh. So yep. I was Miss Taunton at the time. I was homecoming queen. I was just like you, president of yep. everything and everyone. Every club. And I yep. just could not fucking get the math shit just like you. And she said right. in front of the whole class, Katie, thank God you're pretty because you are dumb. And I'll never imagine? forget that for the, as long as I fucking live. And you know me. I'm hard on my people that I coach. Right. But I would never ever say anything like that because that's the shit that literally it lives you. it brands you yes. yeah it sets up roots 100%. and if and if she said that nowadays and i've actually known people that have oh, lost oh, oh, their jobs over that oh honey please can let's just go back to that oh, time in our lives dude everyone would no one would have had a fucking job no no they'd all be on the soup line at this yes. point yes mm -hmm. so what ended up happening i mean i obviously i know the story but what ended yeah. up happening so I called my Discover card, the 1-800 number, Love and said, you. can you, <laughs> I know, I said, can you um, expand my situation? You know, I'd need, I need a credit in increase. They did it. And then I went to this local 4-H auction at an, like an agricultural fair that had a flea market at it. <laughs> and I bought desks for, I'm not kidding, desks for $5, chairs for a dollar, filing cabinets for 50 cents, outfitted the entire place. And it looked cute. Oh, it, it was really adorable. did. It was the yep. best. Outfitted the whole thing. I don't know. I want to say less than like 125 bucks wow. and paid off that discover within a year, if not less. Um, because I didn't want the interest because right. I was already doing the math, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and here we are 27 years later. But back to the guidance counselor, the year that I wrote the book about my mom, which we'll chat about in a bit, um, very shortly after I got an email from that guidance counselor. I'm and Oh, yeah. I'll never forget I it. I didn't know this. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't share this part a lot out of respect for her for her family that still lives here. And I have the email. And she said, uh, you know, I read the book. It changed my life. It changed my whole perspective about dying. Um, I'm so glad you didn't take my advice and you went to college because you probably wouldn't have written the book if you hadn't. I and then she, And then she said, I'll send you the email. Um, uh, it was a different time. 
when I was giving you that advice, it was wrong advice. And it stayed with me my whole life. And then I went to a graduation ceremony about a week later and they announced that she had just died of cancer on the microphone. And we had a moment of silence for her. So the whole thing about the book, she was saying, your mom's given me permission to die. I'm no longer afraid. Full circle. And it was like, she had that in her heart. Like she had to she had to share it and be forgiven for it. And I wrote, be forgiven. I wrote back and said, there's nothing to forgive you for, you know, Mrs. Chase. Her name was Mrs. Chase. Um, I said, it was a different time. And I've, I've never blamed you. I've always thanked you because you literally put so much fire in me. I flew in flames into the universe. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. Oh yep. my God. I literally have chills everywhere on my body because that's the shit that wisdom brings. Yes. And years and years and years of doing the damn thing. Like I was just thinking about you as you were talking and I was like, just like me, like we've always had a job. We've always worked. We didn't know any different. Right. You know, it's like, sometimes I just get tired. I'll like say to Matt, it's like, I've been fucking doing this for 35 years. Since I was 11. Seriously. I mean, I always had a job just like you because, you know, we weren't like rolling in the dough either. No. You know, so I get it a hundred percent. But to hear that woman who was passing away from cancer and like, whoa, like fuck me. Like how amazing is that? Yeah. So much power. You could have that experience. Like that's some shit. Cause a lot of people never have that experience. Like the person that did the thing to you may feel that guilt for their whole entire lives and never have the balls to say to you, Hey, this is, I'm sorry. Right. And I didn't know any better. And that was the big takeaway too. I think when we come for people and we pounce on people, like I said earlier about bullies, it's like she was saying she was never taught anything differently. And in her house as a woman growing up, you know, being a teacher was the highest level, the highest rung she could reach. Absolutely. Teacher or nurse, teacher or nurse. Yes. And um, so she became a guidance counselor, which was already like, wow. Right. And then saying to me, oh, girl you don't need to go to school. Like this is, you know, yeah. And then you're just say, hot. Go get, right. go get fucked. Get yeah. pregnant and like, yeah. and just do your thing. And yeah. you could have, and listen, you could have never been that person. Just mm. like I could never be that person. Cause people mm-hmm. will say to me, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times. Like, why don't you have children of your own? Right. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why do you work right. so hard? And it's like, excuse me. I have this one precious human life. I'm not right. going to squander it. No. After everything that Wanda and Terry did for us to be yes. who we are today, I'm going to just blow the fucking load now. Hell right. no. Hell right. no. Exactly. And I think it's time that we stop doing that in general. I was just with my uh, a friend the other day and she doesn't have kids either. And she's still getting that question. Oh, yeah. And we're close in age. Yeah. It's like, knock it off. Yes. yes. You know what I mean? I know. I That's hear it like, every day. <laughs> like, every would, day. I, would I ever say to a woman... Why did you let your hair go gray? Why yes. aren't you coloring your hair anymore? Right. It's none of my damn business what color their hair is, especially if they feel like a silver fox. Oh, yeah. I think the gray is gorge. It is. I mean, I do it. I would do it. It's just mine's not coming in as cute. And I'm no, too vain mine right is not now. coming in cute either. And I also no. want to have like shoe polished black hair until like, the yeah. day I die. That's like one <laughs> yeah. of my goals in life. I want to yeah. like be in the wheelchair and be like, oh, yeah. oh, I love I love those girls. Yeah. They full still makeup have their with lips. The button earrings. Oh, yeah. yeah and the they hair. smell like youth do. Ooh. A little Jeanette. Oh, get it. <laughs> splash me, honey. <laughs> splash me. Oh, my God. This is so this is going to I know that this is going to inspire so many of our listeners from all across the globe so thank you for being like so rare and thank real you. and so raw okay thank so you. you opened Burtwood School of Performing Arts in 1995 
Yes. As we just heard on a sh- fucking shoestring budget. <laughs> Girl. With no help with no, nope, with nothing. Right. Nope. Like right. zero. Right. I walked in. I walked up those stairs on that faithful day. So cute. I don't even remember how, but I'm going to call my mom later and be like, how did you find out about Burtwood? There had the to ta- be. I think it was the Taunting Gazette. Shut the hell up. I believe so. Oh my God. The, I, I, the I'm good not old sure, Gazette. But... You got to love the Gazette. You got to mm-hmm. love the Gazette. Okay. So. Terry Terry was probably reading the Taunton Gazette while she was smoking her Marlboro Light and she was drinking her extra extra from Donkeys one morning. And she knew I was into theater and she knew I loved to sing and I was getting ready for, you know, to go in, not to the Miss America pageant yet because I was too young. I was 14 when I started coming to Burtwood. Right. And I'll never forget, I walked up those stairs and I met you and I was just literally like, and I'll never forget in that moment, you know, we have those moments where it's like a stamp on your soul where you remember, like, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, but I can remember that moment in time. And I just knew, I was like, oh my God, she is going to change my life. I knew it. I felt the same way about you. You had an aura that was unlike most. Well, don't you think that people like us have like, you know, Stephen King calls it (laughs) the shine. Yeah. Your your vibration was I mean, coming all off of you. Yeah. And you were the same exact, you were the same exact way. And I just fell in love with you at that moment. And the first thing that we did was obviously I was doing vocal lessons with you and theater lessons and I was doing little dance things. And remember the front room that we used to dance in? Turn the beat around. Turn the beat around. With Marcia. Yep. She would teach us the dancing and every room was like a different room. Some was like for vocals, some was for theater or whatever. And you cast me as Rizzo in Greece, which was not typecasting by any. By no, any not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no stretch of the imagination. <laughs> and uh, hey, let's tell a funny story, though. How uh, how do my it. La- <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck me. We could do this for hours. <laughs> so uh, Lorna cast me as Rizzo in Greece. No typecasting yeah. whatsoever. Thank you None. for that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love to play a villain. <laughs> I am all about being the villain era. And yes. one the the director of the show on like the last night we were doing like tech rehearsal, and he was like, um, "Can you walk off this side of the of of the uh, stage?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah, and that's then literally, new. Okay, that's, that's new. That's weird. That's strange." Yeah. And so when I was just <laughs> no, fuck me, I'm gonna piss my pants. <laughs> so I go and I do my solo. There are worse things I could, I could do. do. Like walk yep. off the new side like, of the stage. <laughs> like walk off the new side. <laughs> and so I do my big song and I go off and I'm having my moment and I'm like on cloud nine. Yeah. And in the fucking pitch black in my character shoes. Not funny. I just <laughs> I just oh. step off like a eight foot into yeah. the nothingness of the abyss of hell. That would be the pit. <laughs> the pit. And I fall. No one saw it. Thank no. God. Horrible. But they heard it because I was a Horrible. big bitch and I felt like a fucking ton of bricks. Awful. And I think I broke my I think I broke my fucking pelvic bone. <laughs> oh my God. But I went back out because I was like, Lorna would tell me because your show ambitious. must go on. Because I was ambitious even back then. And I right. danced with like a fucking bruised you did. hip. It was you did. black as night <laughs> for like seven it's years. Black as your hair. It really was. <laughs> and I freaking danced my ass off. We go together like rumble, 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 with my leg like fucking li- lame. You did. You did. And I just lame leg. I was a lame leg. And the funniest part is that in being in pain like that yes. and being embarrassed also because my fucking ego was bruised because I felt like the biggest fucking ding dong on the face of the planet, right? Even though I was taking direction, but And whatever. it wasn't even your fault. It wasn't even my fault. Um, 
I, that taught me that you like literally the show must go on. Right. Like you can't just be like, oh, I'm in pain. Oh, I don't feel well. Or I don't feel right. like doing this. Like you fucking right. say you're going to do something. Do it. Fucking do it. And you taught me that. And it wasn't just from my lame <laughs> leg. It was just from <laughs> life in general of you coaching me for so many Thank years. Thank you. And full disclosure, the director was not welcome back. And very shortly after, there was a, a, a clause added to our technical crew that we never go to blackout. Now we only go to blues. If you're in the theater, you know what that means. So you oh, helped me. I do. I do. See, I was a sacrificial lamb. You really were. For you. Oh, my God. But we had so much freaking fun. We and then did. obviously I coached with you for years. And then yes. when I stopped doing theater stuff, I obviously went into the Miss America system. You did yeah. all of my music with me, all of yes. my interview coaching, everything. So fun. Um, and you also, when I was giving up my crown as Miss New Bedford in 2004, I'll never forget, you spoke at my going away yes. party. Yes. And I I remember the it to this day. I had never felt so seen and validated by anyone in my entire life than wow. you did that day. I know that sounds like I'm, and you know. No, I love trying to blow smoke. But I think about that a lot. Like, you really really showed up for me that day and you said things about me that I didn't even know about myself because you would watch me and you would right. you know, really really like take me in yes and no one had ever really done that for me before so wow. thank you for that and I know wow. you do it for thousands of students and you've done it for thousands of students for over the years so then thank you after all that shenanigans, and I also got pulled over by a cop in the front of Burtwood. Do you remember that? Never. Fr- you were driving a sports car that was orange. Yes. That cop was about five foot two. You step out six foot four in heels. <laughs> the man was left speechless. <laughs> because I did an illegal U-turn into yeah. the old Burtwood before that it was, came. To- it was a confusing area, though, really. It really, truly was. You weren't just being reckless. No, I wasn't. I didn't know what I was. I probably didn't know what I was doing. I thought it was the best thing. But I got stopped by the cops right in front. Lorna comes out. Everyone, all the students are like looking out the window as like this friggin' um, Julie Newmar, Tu Wong Fu steps out of (laughs) my friggin' car. And the state trooper, the state trooper was like, oh, it was a trooper. It was a trooper. It It was was a a trooper. trooper. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I just got out of my car and he was like, "Uh, he couldn't talk. He couldn't talk. He dumbfounded. literal like magic dust fell in love immediately. <laughs> it was like that show True Blood and you were a fae. I totally, <laughs> was. I totally was. That was so funny. And you actually talked about that as to make everyone laugh because everyone was yeah. bawling during your speech right. um, when I gave up my, my crown for Miss New Bedford. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. So after sure. all that happens. Yes. Now, this is like in 2004. So we're talking now four five years later. Wicked Fit happens. Right. Okay. But before Wicked Fit, my television show, you were diagnosed with thyroid thyroid cancer. cancer. Right. Let's talk about that a little bit because that was a huge turning point in your life as well. Yeah, that was bananas. Uh, So in 2004, there was a lump in my neck. And then, um, you know, what happens then is you go to your, I I was in the care of an endocrinologist because I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I was like, hey, we got to figure this out. And uh, my massage therapist could feel the lump, actually, a Taunton girl named Stacy. Stacy, shout out Stace. Hey, Stacy. So then my endo gave me a glass of water, had me swallow it and kind of choked me a little, which is a different topic for another day. Um, And he said, oh, yeah, I feel that. But you know what? It's nothing. 95% of the time, it's like a little goiter or it's a yada, yada, yada. Uh, I don't think this is a big deal. And I was like, oh. they'll say to you, oh, it's normal because, you know, you're at that age. Yeah. And Did I'm they, like, ah, like oh, I don't know. I was that. 33. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and then I, I pressed on and was like, I don't know. You know, I don't really want a lump in the front of my neck. And Thank then he you. said, 
Well, you know, we can biopsy it, but like I said, you know, we'll do an ultrasound. This is 95% of the time. It's nothing. So I did the ultrasound. Did you feel though it was something like intuitively? Cause I know you're super intuitive. I did. Cause I've, I've been that way with my body my whole life. You know, I'm the same so way. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And um, did a, an ultrasound. And then they were like, oh, we need to do a fine needle aspiration. We, you know, come back, suck some juice out of that little thing. And that night he called, I was at my mom's and he was like, he, exact quote, I can't believe I'm saying this to you, Lorna, but you have cancer. You have papillary thyroid cancer. Oh you know, it's very treatable. You know, you gotta, you're young. You're, well, they say, well, thyroid cancer is the good kind. It's the good cancer. It's the good cancer. Right. Fuck Although you. for all professions in the world, it's the good cancer, except a singer, teacher, actor, Color. director, producer who uses yes. their voice all damn 24 seven. So he was like, you know, um, the worst that could go wrong is if they hit the recurrent laryngeal nerve, you could sound like Stevie Nicks. You might not be able to project in front of a crowd. Your voice might fatigue for the rest of your life. And I was like, what is this noise? Like, no, I, I reject everything you just said. Absolutely. So I went into research mode, started calling around Boston, literally bad bitch on the phone, calling hospitals. I mean, I, I've done the so, same. I mean, I, when I had yeah. my throat problem and I had my vocal problem, yeah, yeah. I found my doctor the same exact way, like calling and calling because like no one will That's advocate for you more than you will advocate for yourself. Absolutely. Don't wait for fucking doctors and all these people to advocate because no. that's not the, what they're here for. Yep. And I wasn't on Facebook. This is before Facebook. I think it's important to know. Now we have a hive. Oh, we can yeah. post it and within five minutes you can get whatever that's you right. need. This was all grit and grace getting on the phone with enough grit to advance the phone call and enough grace to get the results. Yeah. Cause if you uh, want the best doctor in Boston is Boston has the, some of the best hospitals in the world. Yeah, like you've yeah. got to have to wait a year. Like yeah. I just found um, my new um, gynecologist and she's head of gynecology at Beth Israel. Oh, wow. And, I mean, I, I waited a year to get in with her. Awesome. Year. Yeah. I mean, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, but I fucking, yeah. we had to wait a year. And I'm, yep. I'm sure no you joke. had to deal with some shit too when you were going through all this. Yep. No joke. So I end up hearing a bunch of names over and over again, about three names. So I, I grab one of the names. I book an appointment. They get me in. Little short guy. I can't say much more because I promise I'm not going to say his name because then people get stuck on the name rather yes. than the message. I know who he is. So I call him the bow tie bastard. Yes. I go into the meeting with my mom and my husband. I, I've got 20 questions I've written down. He's annoyed with me because I brought questions. Stop. Wearing a little bow tie, wearing a little suit. It's got a little accent. I won't say from where. And he was just literally a bastard. He rejected all of my questions. I asked if he used the recurrent laryngeal nerve monitoring system. He was like, why would I? I have an amazing record. And then I asked about my scar because I was 33. I didn't want I a big Frankenstein situation. Right, right. Um, and he was like, oh, you seem very vain. I mean, <gasps> right? So you, I, dude. I got up and I was like, you know what? No. Suck Mom, we're out. We're out. We're outside. I said to my mother, he's not the one. I need the cancer taken out of you immediately. I don't care if he's the one. You don't have to fall in love with him. You just have to. And I was like, you're betraying me right now. We yeah. had a real fight on the sidewalk wow. in, in the hospital. Um, At the hospital, I was just like, no. And my husband was like, Lorna, just get, we need you to get rid of it. We don't care if you like but the you surgeon. you knew in your heart, you're like, this is not going to be working yeah. out well. And like, what if, yeah. what if you did go with the bow tie bastard and he did do what he did to your voice and you never fucking sang again or any, I mean, right. think about it. Right. I didn't even want to be in communication with him just to go back to have the surgery. I was wow. like, he has bad juju. Yes, I don't want to it. be near him. Yeah, so I ended up calling around that second name on the list. And again, 
the the order isn't fair. I just grabbed a name and went. Yes. Now I know the guy that I landed with. I mean, he's world renowned. His name is yes. Gregory Randolph. He's Love at him. Mass at Mass Ioneer, at Mass General, saved my life, used the recurrent laryngeal nerve system, which he was a founder of. Wow. Um, and you know, my voice is exactly the same. Um, then subsequently, as I was healing, I ended up being on a bunch of panels at Mass Ioneer offering patient perspective, spoke at symposiums, spoke at um, conventions, was part of the World Thyroid Congress with him so he could show ultrasounds of his work on my neck. Wow. I mean, for literally doctors all over the world. It's incredible. Attended by like 8,000 people. Um, I've been published in a bunch of journals. We did a bunch of documentaries together. And do you feel like you've actually helped people during this? Like from oh, what yeah. you went through? See, oh, yeah, now, totally. Think about it. If you did not have this cancer... How would you have ever been this person to right. inspire all of these people all across the globe yes. to do A, B, C, and D? Like Absolutely. this is how this shit works. And I think that so many people that I coach are like, why is this happening to me? And it's like, dude, how do you know that this is not for your fucking highest, greatest good? Right. I know at the moment it sucks. Right. But in the long run, I mean, look what you've done for the world. Yeah, you have to use your voice. Fuck and yes. that that book is all over the world because Amazon threw it up on like Amazon UK and yes. Amazon da 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 da. So I'm receiving mm -hmm. notes from people everywhere. Um and I think I got thyroid cancer because the universe, God, the angels wanted me to understand what I had to lose, meaning my voice, yes. so that I understood what I needed to use it for all along anyway. Oh, I just, my butthole's puckering right now. Yes, please, yes. If please. you need a moment, let's pause. I'm having one right now. <laughs> I'm, my, it's yeah. flexing in my pants. There's an actual... Um, <laughs> there's an actual spasm. Um, so it was like, oh... Yes, singing with kids and singing with, you know, pageant people. And yes, you know, da, 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 singing at funerals for veterans, all that that is in my fiber, right? Yes. But higher, higher and higher. It's like help a woman find a doctor when she's sick, help a woman who is struggling in a relationship that is toxic, <clears throat> help a man who needs some direction and support in the LGBT community. Like, Using the voice for the whole greater good. Singing at uh, Pearl <clears throat> Boyd's funeral. You, Absolutely. you sang yep. her favorite song at my funeral, even though they were like, sorry, it's only church music. And I was Liturgic. like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Like, right? that's, that's huge. So from this experience, yes. everything you just said, plus you wrote a freaking incredible book. Thank so you. Let's talk about let's talk about the book, the first book. The fir so the first book is called Dirty Bombshell because when you have radiation for thyroid cancer, you become a walking dirty bomb. You have to go to a um, nuclear medicine department and take a radioactive pill, and then a Geiger counter literally counts your radiation level. It's like Chernobyl in your own pants. Holy shit! It's like oh my god, I'm Chernobyl. You have to walk around with <laughs> a little piece of paper that says you're a dirty bomb for a year because you can set off detectors in tunnels. I um, did not see. I knew this obviously. Yeah. But now hearing it again, it's like it's bringing me back because I haven't read bananas. your book in a while, right? Yeah. Like well, holy yeah. shit. It's bananas. So, um, and then you have to do this really wacky radiation, uh, radioactive iodine diet. Um, yes. There's just a lot of stuff. So, uh, the book was the book that I needed when I was sick that wasn't there. I couldn't find anything. It was only only medical books, and I was yes. like, I, I can't cozy up under a blanket and understand this, you know. Um, and I got a lot of good feedback, obviously. And I want to talk about 
rejection and feedback a little bit. So say I had like 104 five-star Amazon reviews for the book. And then one day there's a one-star review and it's a Christian fundamentalist who was offended by my language um, and said that I was going to go to hell. She was going to pray for me because I was really raw. My book coach at the time was like, don't sugarcoat anything. If you swear, swear. If you, you know, Well, you know how I feel about that. Right. Um, so I took her advice and I was very, very like raw about it and real. Um, so my mom picked me up for lunch and I was like crying, like literally crying. And she's like, what's the matter? I was like, oh my God, this person came for me. I got a one-star review. It's going to ruin my rating. I'm not going to be able to help anybody anymore. Her feedback was so mean. Oh my gosh. You know? And my mom was literally like share and moonstruck. It was like, snap out of it. You've got all these other people saying that you've saved their life, that you've changed their whole direction and their view on how to advocate and live. And you're going to let one person, one person ruin your day. What is wrong with you? I didn't raise you to be this way. And, you know, obviously she was right. We went out and we had a great lunch, but it stayed with me. And I try to use that story with my students like, really, you know what I mean? We can't let that noise get in there. We can't, but we do. You know, bad reviews, negative reviews, negative well, It's feedback. always like one person, you focus on the one bad instead of the 10,000 good. And that's just your yeah. particular activating system in your brain. Right. And that's also from, you know, be feeling like not enough, right. you know, and the way that we were both raised and the way we experienced right. life, that was like a very big shadow in our lives, like always right. having to feel like I'm enough and trying to always prove ourselves that we're worthy right. to be in with the braids. We're, right. we're worthy of the braids. Exactly. I love that this is all going back to that, but it is the thing. We need to make a shirt. We do. And, <laughs> and that's the whole, that's the whole piece right there is my mom was like, I raised you to be better than this. I raised you. And she did. She spent her entire life giving me the confidence to, you know, ward away the, the one star review yes. to block that energy. Yes. And she was awesome at reminding me of my power. And then when you're, when the person in your life that reminds you of your power goes to heaven, it's really important to advocate and surround yourself with the other people who remind you. Of course you have to remind yourself, but the people who really clap for you, the people who really want everyone to elevate at the same exact time, you know what I mean? Like we're all working together to continue to grow and learn and educate and change and inspire. Um, so that's just a story about rejection. But so the book did very well. Um, it's helped a lot of people still to this day. Uh, but the biggest takeaway, in my opinion, is getting the second opinion. Yes. Like you have to, you have to find that right fit. And now I literally travel with my surgeon's wife. I said, oh, I know she's birthday. Wonderful note. Too. She's beautiful. Her name's Lorraine. I love their children. Um, his, uh, his son is you know in I London. Coach Lorraine. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I did. So wild. Yeah, his son is in uh, London at film school, and when the Queen died, oh, wonderful! I called him and said, "Can you send me a bunch of money with the Queen on it? I I want to buy currency from you to remind all the women in my family about being a Queen, right?" That's right. That's so right. he just he just sent me two hundred dollars worth of Queen stuff. Who would have ever thought that sixteen, seventeen years ago, his dad would be saving my life and. Now he's sending me money with the queen. It's just oh, life is up. bananas. It really, truly is bananas. It really, truly is. And I love that you're saying that you have to listen to your intuition because I think women in general, right? It's like you're hysterical. You're dramatic. You right. just, just like, it's a doctor. They're smarter than you. And it's like, right. no, your North Star, your gut feeling, your third yes. eye, your intuition tells you, but you know, after all these years, we've had it beaten out of us, right? Right, right. We've been told, like, you're crazy, you're being a drama queen and all these right. things. But it's like, when you you're a lot. know, you know, you're right. a lot. You're too right. much. She's a lot. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's my middle name. Yeah, same. 
And I, and I think that you know this about me, and I think you've probably done it in your life too, where you tried to tone it down because you didn't want to offend people. You didn't want to truly right. be who you truly were because it's like, God forbid. And it's like, there is um, just something so fucking dangerous in a good way of right. being who you truly are because yeah. the people who truly love you right. are going to be your ride or dies. They can handle it. Right. They can handle it. And the people that can't, they're going to be weeded out like dinkleberries on ass hair. And that's a ass, good thing. Absolutely. It is. It's a gift. It, it truly is a gift. <laughs> it's a gift that keeps on giving. It really, really is. <laughs> oh my god! So after you wrote "Dirty Bombshell," yes. we did "Wicked Fit." That was yeah. a fuck, that was a fucking wild ride, Freaking dude. Blast! You helped me lose fifty five pounds in eleven weeks. <laughs> Hey, I make, <laughs> I make shit happen, man. You really I are the miracle worker. Aw, thank um, you. I, I belted a dress for the first time since the Clinton administration. Oh, and... yes. It was blue, too. No, oh, just kidding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I learned a lot. I had a blast. It was so fun to be full circle with someone who was a student and then was like a, like a reality TV star. Yeah. Um, it was a, and I love being with your mom on set. It was so and, fun. Oh my God. It was yeah. so fun. It yeah. was really so fun. So then after we could fit, we put that fucking, to, we put that to rest. <laughs> oh Check. <God>. Check. <laughs> and then from that time to when your mom passed away, you were just head down, doing killing work, it. killing yeah. it, doing, doing the all the stuff for Burtwood. Right. Working hand in hand with Boston Casting. Yes. Shout out to Angela Perry. We love We Boston love casting. her. Yep. The godmother of Boston. She truly is. And then just doing all that stuff. And then when your mom was had the worst news ever. Right. What actual year was that? Uh, it was in 2013. She was wow. at the hospital and you met her on July That's 19th, right. 2013. I have our picture. Yep, I had, me I had too. a sock bun in my hair. Yeah, you look great. Those were really in that that moment. Yes. And <laughs> I actually, on your birthday every year, I share the same post saying, this is the true Katie Boyd, Aww. the girl who drove from New Hampshire to be with my mom on her birthday with Winston Flowers to be with her on the last birthday of her life. She yep. didn't celebrate 59. Right. Um, she didn't celebrate 60. Um, so yeah, you saw her on her 59th birthday. That's right. Yep. So, um, she found out she was dying and she went right into living mode. And I always say the last 10 months of her life, while she was learning how to die, she was teaching us how to live for real. You know, the little things like if you go through a checkout line and you see a people magazine and you're like, Oh, I don't really have the money this week. She'd be like, pick it up anyway. I'd be like, I don't know, mom, you know, I don't know, gas and whatever groceries. And during that last 10 months, she really did give me permission to engage in life and live rather than just work, 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 work like an animal. Um, and it was like fast, fast story. She was watching the news in the morning. She saw that a school of right whales was coming through Dennisport and they were right near the shore. Wow. So she was like, hey, pick me up. We got to go see the right whales. And I was like, oh, man, um, I got laundry in. I've got something in the oven. I have to be at work at two. And I have like six hours of stuff to do. And I knew she was dying. And I still spit out those old those old ridiculous the old words, programming. The old right? Programming, right? Right. Cause you've had to bust yeah. your tits your yeah. whole life. So you don't know any different. Right. And this was very early into the news when we realized she was dying. So I thought, Oh, I got like two more years with her. Yes. We can see whales another time. Who cares? Right. So she's like, pick me up at 10. We're going to see whales and pack a picnic. So I picked her up. I grabbed a bunch of, you know, stuff, right. We're sitting on rocks watching whales play for hours. The sun is shining. My mom's happy as fuck. It was the most beautiful thing to see the whales too. Cause they were literally right near the shore. Oh. And I literally had an epiphany. I was like, I can't believe 
I was going to focus on laundry, what was in my oven. I remember I took what was in my oven just out. Who cares? What's what's that? A $10 chicken? Who cares? Right? Exactly. I just left it. And um, when we got in the car to leave, she was like, I am so proud of you because a year ago, you never would have done this. You would have done all the other bullshit and we would have missed this opportunity together. And she was like, and honestly, you needed it too. I'm dying, but you needed to spend this day watching whales. The care provider stuff is hard work, you know, especially if you're the one with the job that's conducive to all the driving yes. and all the appointments. And yes. if your lifestyle supports clearing stuff so that you can open up your life to Mass Gen and Dana Farber. Right. Um, but she, I'll never forget that story. And the book is filled with other stories too. And she asked me to write the book. She kept saying, write that down, write that down, write that down. Whether it was a TJ Maxx experience or a restaurant experience or just any of her pearls of wisdom. Um, and I kept it all written down in my phone, little notes, little notes near my bed. We've talked about book process before. And then right after she died, I started writing it and I wrote it very, very quickly. And oh, yeah. Everything was so it. fresh. Exactly. Yeah. So do you see one of the things by reading your book, The Bowie Projects, and can we talk a little bit too about why you called it that? Sure. I, ha I have a buoy at my house. Awesome. Yes. So yeah. one of her bucket lists was to cover her entire fence with buoys. She loved the look. She said it was very Cape Cod beachy. Super. And whenever we were down the Cape and she saw somebody with buoys all over the place, she'd be like, I got to do that. I got to do that. But like we do in life, we put stuff off, right? Well, when she found out she was dying, she was like, no, now got on Facebook. I want to, I want buoys. I want netting. I want lobster pots. I want the whole nine. We call that coastal grandmother aesthetic in this day and age. The TikTok yes, age. She's yes. The coastal she was the OG <laughs> coastal grandma. She really was. Thank you. <laughs> so she ended up putting it on Facebook and we covered that. The whole fence was covered with buoys. And as she was dying, I remember going to visit her one day and you're like, take any buoy off yep. the fence that you want. And I took a pink yeah. and green one and I still have awesome. it to this day and I love it. It's like one of my favorite, favorite things. She wanted that because buoys rise up and buoys can take a beating in New England, right? It can take a blizzard, a hurricane, oh, yeah. freezing cold water, sharks, all of it. And they still rise up. They still float to the top. That's right. So it's the metaphor really mattered to her when she was dying. But there's more. It's deeper. The reason why it's projects, plural, is because she had completed her buoy project. And then she was very close to death. And I didn't see it. But your mom did. Your mom said to me, look at her ankles and feet. She's coming to the end she's, she's got the bruising and everything. And I was like, Oh, I don't know, man, she's doing great. Right. So you don't see it when you're in the middle of it. And we were in Toro three weeks before she died, cruising up and down to take buoys from people's houses, basically. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so that. we knocked on a door and um, she said to this woman, I see buoys all over your yard. Would you mind if I take one out of this big pile? And the woman said, yes, if you don't mind my asking, what are you going to do with it? And my mom said, Oh, I'm, I'm dying. I have metastatic breast cancer. I'm covering my fence. And the woman said, my daughter died this morning. She was covering our fence with buoys. Oh my God. Shut up. Okay. I'm going to And cry. then, this and then all, uh, all these other parallels are happening. My mom goes to the car, gets her prayer card, St. Aloysius, yada, yada, goes back. The daughter says, um, the mom says, oh, my daughter loved this. We are thinking of all these things that are in the book, all these parallels. Okay. They're crying. They're hugging. My mom's got a buoy. We get back to the car. And my mom said, I'm no longer afraid to die. And I said, you've never used the word fear all along, mom. I didn't think you were afraid at all. And she's like, of course, you know, I have moments in the night at dark, you know, but I'm no longer afraid because God just said to me, this is a sign. Like how weird, Katie, how random, but how beautiful. But I think it's, it's a true testament of when you're really living your most ambitious life as we call it. Right. Yeah. 
the synchronicities happen to remind Absolutely. you that you are on the right path. If that's only what she said, we could take what Wanda did in the last 10 months of her life right. and just live like that all the fucking time. And this is really what I preach to and ambitious is like, don't wait till tomorrow. Right. Don't put things off. Like be right. the best version of you today. Right. And stop thinking you have all this fucking time because you know what? We don't know not to be morbid for a second, but we don't know when we're we going to go. No, we don't know. She said that all the time. She said, don't wait until a terminal diagnosis to start living. And she said, I did. You know, she was adventure. She was all the things. But when it came to self-care is a tricky word. And she struggled with that because she was like, you don't need $500 to go to a day spa with a friend and drink yes. a mimosa. Yes. You know, my mom was like, Take the taking a walk, carving out time to do that, reading, just having a quiet corner to read, um, buying a shirt at TJ Maxx for 10 bucks. You know, those were the things that really came um came right out of her heart that last 10 months. She was like, You've got to make more time for what fuels your passion for living. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if it's just playing the music you want in your car. Right. Or Filling your space with what you need. Yes. And I thought that was important because she thought it was bougie and she thought it was lovely for girls <laughs> to be able to do the day, the day you spa. Know we love a good day spa. Honey. We do love a bouge moment. And my mom loved a day spa. Oh, yeah. But um, she knew that that wasn't practical for a lot of young moms. Right. You know what I right. mean? And, and that's not how you had to do it all the time, even if you had the money to do it. Exactly. Yep. And she was a foodie. So even like right down to, Buy yourself something gorgeous off the menu. Yes. You know what I mean? Don't worry about- Well, that's about what we used to love to do. You, Mama Cl the Mama Clams, right? That's My the whole story. We Ming would, Tsai. Yeah, we would, go, we would go on these food crawls. <laughs> So I'd be like, okay, bitches, like, come pick me up in Wellesley because I had my studio in Wellesley yep. at the time. We're going to first we're going to go to Ming Tsai. We're going to have the butterfish. Then we're going to go over here and we're going to have a gelato. Then we're going to go over here. We're going to have a fucking kick ass cupcake. And Remember that cupcake? Gonna, oh, that cupcake. I still feel it in my Ugh. inside of myself. Mm. <laughs> so good. And I and I love that picture of all of us that day. You know, at Ming Tsai's restaurant, it was yes. such a beautiful picture. We all looked so freaking happy. This is before your mom. We right. found out your mom was sick. Yeah, but th those are the things we used to do. We would do these food crawls, and everyone right. would be like, "What the fuck is a food crawl?" It's right. like where you go to one restaurant, you keep going until you're like go. full, and you just try all the things. And I yeah. still do the food crawl. And my husband loves a food crawl. Now, yes. I remember when I first started dating him, I'm like, "We're doing a food crawl." He's like, "What the fuck is a food crawl?" And I was <laughs> it's like, "It's life, just life." Like, gi giddy up and put your rubber underwear on. <laughs> yeah, just and go. Don't wear a belt because we're gonna do this. Right. And I and your mom inspired me so much to just be in the moment. Right. And you know, she has left such an incredible, incredible legacy. Is there Thank anything you. else that you want to say to the viewers from? all of Wanda's, you know, incredibleness that maybe could inspire them and kind of like check them out of this, you know, I call it like a hypnotic rhythm. Like you get up yes. every day. It's like time to make the donuts. You know, you get yes. up, you do the same things every day. You right. say you can't go to watch the whales because you do have the chicken in the oven and you have to pick right. up the kids. You've got to go to work. Right. You have to do the laundry and all this shit. Right. I think listening to your body, listening to your heart. And if you're on a trend, mental health was a really important uh, message for her. She made a legacy video for all of us to watch after she died. And she talked about mental health a lot because her mom struggled with it. Her brother struggled with it. Um, and several family members have struggled with it. So she said, if you're feeling consistently unhappy, first ask yourself what's going on, write it down, look at it, think about it, talk to a friend. If you're still unhappy, you got to go talk to somebody else about it, right? And then you have to find a way to unlock the door to get back to happy, whether it's raising your serotonin through food, whether it's through nature, through faith, through God, through music, um, whatever it is, through talk therapy, medication, 
um, you know, this goes back to the sixties when we had relatives that were getting shock treatment therapy at McLean because they were self-medicating with alcohol and they just couldn't find their way back out of the dark. Um, that was very important for her, especially for women hormonal after pregnancy, um, feeling isolated and in bad relationships. So I think it all stems from advocating and loving yourself enough to know that you deserve more and then not being afraid to surround yourself with people that can help you get to that goal. That was really her message. You know, you can't just be alone and try to figure it all out because it goes to a place where it's, it's hard to spring back from. Um, And, you know, right down to advocating at the very, very end, she planned her whole funeral. She wrote out her script. I mean, she picked out all her own music. She really, she had such a sense of autonomy. um, And I think that's, a very inspirational piece too that I'll leave you with is just um, you've got to be there for yourself. You have to show up every day for yourself and then you can show up for everybody else. Fuck. Yes. That's literally like, that's my battle cry is like, fill up your fucking own cup. And when you have a little bit of runneth over, you can give it to the other people around you. Amen. Girl. Lorna, what's next for you? Oh gosh, there's so much. So I did write a cookbook and I'm thinking about doing a part two of that because there's still so many more things I want to cook and I'd like to share with people. Those are all Wanda's recipes. I'd like to do that. Um, the school, you know, still bringing in comics. We just had Steve Sweeney here. A night of laughter. We need it, right? Absolutely. Um, and more adventure, more travel. I know you're the sisterhood of the travel panties, um, but I want to get back on a plane. I went to, um, Italy and France with my mom's ashes in 219 for her five-year anniversary and scattered her at all the places she wanted to go. Um, and I still have a lot more travel up my sleeve. So that's my, that's my immediate plan. I I love that. I love that. So where can people find you on social? And I'm going to also link it in my show notes. Oh, thank you. So I, Believe it or not, Lorna J. Brunel is where all the action is. I've got pages for all my other stuff, but the traction is really just my wall. Awesome. And on Insta and then on um, TikTok. So, um, yeah. Oh, I know you are. You love t- good TikTok. I'm loving you TikTok. Love good TikTok. <laughs> um, also, I want to touch uh, a little bit also about two things before you go. So, where can they find the books? Dirty Bombshell and the Bowie Projects. So Dirty Bombshell and Bowie are on Amazon. And if you want something signed, you can call me and I can sign it and ship it. And the cookbook, Cooking on North, which is my street name, I have at my office and I sign and and mail those. Awesome. And they can also find you on the Burtwood School of Performing Arts website, correct? Yes. Yes. Burtwoodschool.com. And also let's talk about before, because I think this is so huge, because I'm sure that after listening to this out there in a bitch's land, you are so inspired and you know why I love Lorna so much and how going to Burtwood and being your student has literally changed the trajectory of my entire life. Let's talk about Burtwood scholarships. Yes. How can people give back to Burtwood and all of the students and tell us a little bit about that before you go? So as I mentioned, I'm a recipient of a full ride. This is a poor little girl that grew up with welfare block cheese. Hello. Oh, and I had good. it was kind of tasty. I'm not going to lie. Delicious. Delicious on a grilled cheese. Oh. Um, and <laughs> no shame in that cheese. No shame. Um, or the peanut butter. <laughs> Ooh, the peanut butter was um, good. So, yeah. So I didn't I'm not going to lose those roots ever. There are too many kids who need to have the arts in their life to actually save them and help them heal and protect them. So we have had scholarships happening since we opened in 1995. Uh, Right now we have an alumni campaign that's going on, which is amazing. Alumni are just like coming together and giving kids tuition to study anything under the sun here. And I'll be giving to that. That's amazing, honestly. So You know I live for it. Thank you. And a lot of the local businesses have been so supportive. My gosh, this guy, Tim Hollick at Wood Palace, he has sponsored us for 25 
five Holy years. Shit. He grabs like four kids a year and just puts them on any program they want. Singing, dancing, acting, guitar, piano, flute, you know. Um, so they can contact me through social media. We have about 25 kids a year on a full scholarship. And then uh, and around that, we'll have students have scholarships for shows. That's amazing. And people Thank can you. give any amount of money any amount. to a scholarship. Honestly. It does not matter. No, somebody just came to our Halloween drag show last weekend and gave 50 bucks. That's half of a month of piano. That's awesome. Like that's really going to help a mom this month. Absolutely. Thanksgiving dinner is going to break the bank, everybody. And so is Christmas this year. So helping a mom and dad with supplementary um, tuition is awesome. It's awesome. I'm Thanks so for proud asking of you. that. Oh my God. Oh, dude. Because I know like people will always, after they listen to the podcast, like, how can I help her? How can I give money right. to these students? And I'm always, I'm like, oh shit, why didn't I say this on the podcast? So You're we had just been talking about the alumni scholarship last week or that I plan right. on giving to this week. And Thank you. I know that so many people are going to be so inspired by your story, my story of everything that you bring to the table. So Thank I love you. you so much. I, I love you, you back. Know. Love you to the moon and back. I, seriously. But you are absolutely incredible. I know that today's podcast is going to inspire so many HBICs all across the globe. Get and it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, mm-hmm. for being here. I appreciate you more than you know. Thank you, girl. Mwah. Love you. Love you. All right, guys. This was an absolutely incredible conversation with my soul sister and mentor, Lorna J. Brunel check out the show notes for all the good things that have to do with her her books scholarship you name it it's going to be there and don't forget to be ambitious and also i will see you next tuesday yeah